Thank you, Dana, for reading Scripture today. If I make that Scripture reading any longer, we're going to start making that a paid position, right? We, uh, it's going to be hard to find volunteers if I'm starting to do a lot of Scripture in chapters. It's not a bad thing to read a lot of Scripture, my friends, in a world where we have been conditioned to read memes and texts and uh, small bits of information to stretch us out a little bit. Uh, into reading larger portions and learning to remember how to pay attention and focus and uh, be able to dig in. Uh, it's not a bad exercise in today's short attention span world. So it's good to be stretched. Thank you, Dana, for reading uh, this text from John chapter 21. Sometimes when uh, I get to pick kind of what the parameters are for the scriptures, and sometimes it's just hard to cut anything out of the story. You just got to put the whole thing in uh, and get the full, as much context as you can. And today we have this great story with this character that we have been following throughout this season of Lent, a character named Simon Peter, uh, who is uh, pretty familiar if you, to you if you read the Gospels. And one of the things about Simon Peter, who is one of Jesus' closest disciples, is that Peter leaves uh, no shortage of material to work with. He gives us plenty to focus on and look at, plenty of stories uh, to uh, kind of dissect and, and dig into. Peter is one of those guys, he goes all out. In all that he does. You know those people in your life, they just go all out. Whatever they do, they're going to do it with all their heart. If they do it grand, they're going to do it and everybody's going to watch them. If they screw it up, they're going to do it for the whole world to see. Peter is one of those guys in our world, in the biblical world. He is, he is a flawed but faithful disciple. He's kind of like that guy, if you can remember being in class. Have you ever been in a class or a, a teaching session of some kind where the, the teacher asked, does anybody have any questions? And you have a question, but you don't want to ask the question. You just don't want to be that guy or that girl. You, you don't want to ask the dumb question. Maybe you weren't paying attention and you don't want to ask the question that everybody else knows the answer to. So, so you decide not to raise your hand. Have you ever been in that situation? And then the person in front of you raises his hand and is like, I got a question, and asks the exact same question you were going to ask. Have you ever had that happen to you? I've had that happen to me. And the guy asked the question. I'm like, hey, that was the question I was going to ask. I'm going to listen in. And then if he gets chided for it being a dumb question, it's not on me. It's on him. That's Peter. He's the guy who's raising his hand asking the questions that may or may not be dumb questions that the rest of us might be too chicken to raise our hand and ask. So he's a great example for all of us. The things that he does is really the same kinds of things that we all do. His is just out there on display. So as we look at him, perhaps we are also looking at ourselves. Like Peter, we all have flaws. We all have Things that emerge in the course and in the, the crux of life. Our flaws will shake to the top. Life will squeeze us, impress us in certain places, in certain times to the degree that we cannot hide them or cover them, at least from ourselves, any longer. We too can be flawed. 
And yet, like Peter, we also have the opportunity to be faithful, even in the midst of and despite our own foibles and our flaws. We can also be flawed but faithful disciples. We are a mixed bag. I want you to say it with me. Say, I am a mixed bag. One, two, three. I am a mixed bag. Okay? That's what we are. And until we can accept ourselves for the mixed bag that we are, we're going to be pretending. We're going to be denying. We're going to be faking it. We're going to be thinking we're better than we really are until we come to this place where we say, I'm a mixed bag. I've got great, beautiful, God-given talents, and yet I've got insecurities, fears, sins, uh, desires, and, and they're all, it's just a mixed bag. So when we say things like, the Lord be with you and also with you, lift up our hearts, we lift them up to the Lord, what we're doing is we're saying, Lord, here is my mixed bag. I'm a mix. And I need you to sift through this mess that I am and I need you to love me because of it and in spite of it. And I need you to cleanse me from the impurities. And I need you to redeem the good stuff. Lord, I lift my heart up to you. I am a mixed bag. I am flawed. Help me also, though, to be faithful. That's the stuff of self-acceptance. It's the stuff of coming into God's presence no matter what being willing to risk being the person in the class who asks the dumb questions. I think God would rather us ask the dumb questions than not ask any question at all. So go be dumb before the Lord. Amen? Amen. Give ourselves permission there. So Peter's already in this place of great humility. Previously, he has sworn, I will never deny you, Jesus. And even he believed his own words. But Jesus' trial, his arrest, the abuse that he endured, and of course the experience of the crucifixion exposes Peter's cowardice, his fear, and for who he really is. In the same way, life exposes us. And often we have these ways of, of covering up our flaws and our insecurities. Sometimes we cover them literally. Sometimes we cover them cosmetically. Sometimes we can hide behind uh, our education or our status or our material possessions to make the rest of the world look like, hey, we're doing okay. We've got it all together. We can manage our life and all is well. But underneath the surface, whether, whether it's out there for the world to see or not, underneath the surface, there are things in us that are incomplete, things in us that need saving, things in us that need to be embraced and loved, forgiven. In Peter's moment of denying Jesus three times, he comes face to face with his flawed self. Imagine a mirror that not only reflects your external appearance, but a mirror that reflects your heart. You stand in front of this mirror and you see the condition of your heart, the condition of your soul, the condition of your mind. That's a scary mirror, isn't it? Would you want to look into such a mirror? That's the fullness of being exposed. Well, in his denial of Jesus, Peter is basically looking at his own soul in the mirror. 
I cannot imagine Peter liking what he sees. Temptations of self-hatred, temptations of self-loathing have to abound in his mind. How does a guy who is so adamant about being there for Jesus and then denies Jesus three times, how does a guy like that live with himself? How can you look in the mirror and, and, and feel one ounce of anything positive about yourself when you've done that to Jesus? Imagine the emotional journey Peter had, had to take from that Good Friday between that and, at minimum, the resurrection on Sunday. That had to be a very difficult journey. All kinds of self-doubt. But my friends, that is exactly what this season of Lent is meant to do for each of us. It is meant to be a way of getting a mirror and putting it in front of ourselves. Of getting rid of our illusions. Of acknowledging our true brokenness before the Lord. It's a journey of humility. Peter had to endure this experience as a necessary part of coming to a place where he was healed. It was necessary for him to see himself and all the ways he was trying to kind of fake it till he made it to come to that place where Jesus could really touch him, speak to him, restore him. Love him through all of his performance-oriented workings and dealings. Brokenness is a prerequisite to receiving God's grace. For it's only in, when we are in that place can we too receive God's love at a deeper level. And the power to really live into who God has called you to be. Everything else in the world tells us to avoid that insecure part of us. It tells us to, to cover it up or focus on the positives or, or focus on our strengths. And yet, Jesus invites us to expose it in His grace-filled presence. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. And in the midst of our own brokenness, acknowledging, yes, Jesus, I have denied you. Yes, Jesus, I thought I was really good, but now I realize I'm not very good. In the reality of looking at ourselves in that mirror, we hear good news. Because God is not out just to get you to confess all your screw-ups to Him. That's a means to something greater. Following Jesus will expose our flaws so that they may be crucified with Christ. And we may find God, therefore, creating inside of us a new self, a new creation. That the old self was crucified with Christ, so a new self will be raised with Him. The old self was brought and confessed before Him that God, through the power of His Holy Spirit, might take the beauty of the mixed bag that we are and transform us into something that can only be changed by His love. And that's exactly what Jesus does with Peter. 
The God who exposes us heals us. Peter engages, Jesus engages Peter directly. After the resurrection, Jesus says to Mary, He says, Go and tell the disciples, but especially make sure you tell Peter. Isn't that great? That Jesus specifically mentions Peter's name. Go tell Peter exactly. Was anybody more brokenhearted after the crucifixion than Peter? I'm reminded of Psalm 34, 18 that says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves the crushed in spirit. Once we experience our brokenness before Him, He comes to us. He chases us down. He calls us by name. Go tell the disciples, especially Bailey, especially Mike, especially Brian, especially Jason. Go tell the disciples, especially you fill in your own name. Jesus is always ministering to people one-on-one. He doesn't just come down and, and minister to people generically. He doesn't just give big speeches and then walks off. He's touching real people, healing real people, stopping on the side of the road to minister to the bleeding woman. Or to the blind man. That's the personal touch. He's calling people by name. Especially Peter. Especially you. This isn't just generic good news doled out for the entire world. This is good news for you. For me. Personally. The gospel. For you individually. Personal touch. Second of all, Jesus continues to to pursue Peter. The Gospels tell about how Jesus actually had this appearance to Peter on the afternoon of the resurrection. It gets alluded to in Luke chapter 24, and then later on Paul talks about how Jesus revealed himself to Peter. We do not know the details of this revelation, but we know that it happened. And there's a holy conversation that must have happened in that moment with Peter on the day of Jesus' resurrection. And then, of course, We have Jesus appearing, revealing Himself to the disciples at breakfast. There's this previous experience where Peter has where he catches a boatload of fish and and now he does the same after the toil and frustration of going all night long without catching anything. The last minute Jesus shows up on the shore, tells them to cast their net on the right side of the boat. They cast the net. It's full of fish. Immediately one of the companions say, that's got to be Jesus. That's got to be Jesus. Peter throws on his outer cloak, jumps into the water, runs in the water all the way to the shore. Because he's an all-out kind of guy. And meets Jesus on the shore. This abundance of provision is a continuing testament to the abundance and the generosity and the provision of our amazing God who gives us everything we need if we just ask. 
And then Jesus cooks up a, a charcoal fire. There's only one other time in the Gospels where this word charcoal is mentioned. There's another charcoal fire. And it's the fire that Peter and others were warming themselves on the night that Jesus was arrested. It's the fire that Peter was around when he denied Jesus three times. But now we have a fire where Jesus is going to do something else three times. Where Peter screwed up, Jesus is making up. Where, where Peter walked away, Jesus comes and embraces this ministry of restoration. And he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, you know I love you. Then Jesus says it again. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says it one more time. Do you love me? Three denials, three chances for restoration. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. The confession of loving Jesus has overcome the three denials. Each confession overcomes a denial. Jesus is inviting Peter to participate in his own redemption, his own restoration. He's inviting him back into this relationship. You know, in our church, we talk a lot about God's love for us. Do you know God loves you? Do you know Jesus loves you? That's a good thing to talk about. But that love remains inactivated until it does something inside of us so that it reflects in us a love for Him. God's love for you remains inactive until it turns into our love for Him. And so the question of the day might not be, do you know that God loves you, that Jesus loves you? The question of the day for you might need to be, do you love Jesus? And if you do, then you'll follow Him. As the song says, you'll go where He tells you to go. You'll do what He tells you to do. Augie's given us a great example of that today, hasn't he? We're probably not all called to pack up and move away to another town. But we're all called to go somewhere. We're all going to be sent out of here today. We all know different people in different places and different situations. And we're all called to be the hands and feet of Christ. Do you love Jesus? If you do, you'll follow his commands. You'll feed his sheep. You'll do his will. You will serve him and love him. I'm reminded of our tagline at our church. It says, moved by Jesus, loving people, serving all. When we allow Jesus to move into our lives, it translates into us loving him and others and serving others. That's the two-way street of love. And so, my friends, the invitation today is to have the courage to have breakfast with Jesus. Have the courage to raise your hand. 
have the courage to go all out with a faith and a trust in a God who is greater than our sin. Have the courage to confess that to Him and have the courage to square away with Him and let Him ask you the questions He needs to ask you. Do you love me? And then, of course, have the courage to go. Community with Christ. Breakfast with Jesus. Where all of our mixed bag gets sorted out by Him. Every Sunday we have Holy Communion. The word companion comes from two words, calm and pan, which means bread with. To have bread with one another and to have bread with Jesus. So for today, this is our breakfast table. This is our time with Christ. This is our time where He feeds us and we allow Him to love us and we get a chance to profess our love for Him.